As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in. It is Tuesday morning, July 19th, 7.30 a.m. on the dot. And that means it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are things down there, out there in Georgia? Things are good. Things are good here in uh, in, in the dirty south. So, uh, you know, I, I always say, you know, you don't have much of a southern accent. I say I usually only put on a southern accent when I'm talking co- college football because, you know, we, we play football in the south. So yeah. things are uh, things are things are good in this neck of the woods. Looking forward to uh, kicking off another week with Broncos for breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about kicking it off a hundred dollars, hundred pounds. Out of the gate, uh, Ethan saying good afternoon, Jensen Broncos country. Gonna miss the show today, but uh, we'll catch it later. Not the Ethan is typically our closer, uh, but he is the the opener uh, today yeah. for us. So thank you so much, Ethan, and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot plenty of Josie Jewel love for you in this episode, so you can have the warm fuzzies uh, when you come back and listen later. Yeah, thank you for the support, man. It's really it's 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 unbelievable. It's just truly what you do for the show and how you make it viable for us. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's great. So no, no other words, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, truly. Ethan's been, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of come, come and go, uh, hot and cold at some points, but Ethan's been really consistent with the support. So we appreciate it anytime, anywhere, you know, but crazy, uh, how much Ethan supports. So, uh, shout out to you, buddy. Also, Jeremy coming in. Uh, good morning, fellas at Broncos for breakfast. Good to see you. Um, we have Mike Gibbons in the house too. Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. And, uh, Jeremy coming in saying hot Atlanta, hot everywhere. Not hot in uh, Seattle right now. It's I want to say that we've been okay. It's been okay down here. We've had some, we had a week in June where it was knocking on a hundred degrees, which isn't normal for, for here. I mean, it's, yeah, it's muggy. It's like 92 yeah. with 90% humidity. That's fairly normal and it's miserable, but it was a hundred with 92% humidity. And it's like, that maybe happens once every couple of years and never in June, usually in August. So it, uh, it backed off of that. So Good storm yeah. last night, plenty of rain. Everything's growing here like a freaking rainforest. So yeah. it's uh it's kind of nice. I like it. It is a nice 60 degrees in Seattle right now. It's <laughs> gonna get a little bit warmer. I'm all the way up to 75 today. We got some heat coming next week, they say, but uh luckily after the last time we had that uh heat wave last year was the end of June, where it got up to like what 114 here, which is unbelievable because the houses are built to retain heat here because it never yeah. gets that hot and nobody has air conditioning so that was a <laughs> that was hell that's we're checking into hotels or we're gonna go we're leaving yeah we're, we're leaving for a couple of days and coming back that's it's like 114 you know I, i've told you before the first time i went out west was 
during a heat wave, the Santa Ana's blow west. While LA's weather is so nice, is because the ocean's so cool. Mm-hmm. And when the when the when the weather's coming in, here's your weather update for the day, everybody. Uh, when the weather's coming in over the ocean, it's you know seventy degrees, despite the fact that you're living in a desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mountains hold that in. That's why this stuff on the other side of the mountains is not nearly as expensive as this because it's it's a desert, it's Death Valley. Every once in a while, the winds come the other direction, and it becomes 105 degrees. And my first time out there, it was one of those like that. And I was like, you know, dry heat. I didn't know what the people, you know, you always hear that. Oh, it's a dry heat. I'm like, dry heat, my ass. This is hot. Yeah. This is, this is hot. 105 is hot. I yeah. don't care if it's a dry heat or not. And 114, not- it doesn't matter where you are. That's unpleasant. Yeah, not good. Luckily, we had a we were in a rental house and had a basement. So we just lived in the basement for, you know, three or four days. It was still like 88 in the house in the basement. Yep. Me too. Right now. We're both the basement boys coming at you for breakfast. Um, But uh, we appreciate you. We got sunny days in the house uh, with coffee in the heart and the sun coming in. Good to see you. Sunny days. U.S. Dave's in the house. Also, Dave Glassman over on YouTube. Um, Jeremy's saying 90s today in Denver. Ugh. Woof, um, that's way too hot. Dave Glassman will say 106 forecast today in ICT. Not sure the heat index. No, thank you. Um, sounds miserable. Uh, Jamal Killings coming in. Good morning, Broncos country. Rob, the Bucks bomb, always coming in saying good morning from Nashville. Nick and Scott. Uh, we always, you know, hype up Nashville when we're in here. I've only been in Nashville twice, but both times I've been there, I ate at a barbecue place called the uh, Peg Leg Porker. And they had some of the best dry rub ribs I've ever had. So uh, shout out to them. Re- really good time. Um, we got Kathy in here as well saying good morning. Oh, and Ethan, again, still hanging around saying no AC in UK on record-breaking day. Man, this is crazy. <sighs> man, yeah, it's uh, it sucks, man. Europe right now is uh, very much on fire, literally. I don't know if you've seen the videos coming out from Spain, but it's uh, pretty horrifying stuff. Um, and Rob coming in um, saying thank you for the recommendation on Peter Pan, honey, peanut butter, so tasty. You, you won't go wrong. I mean, except for the fact that it's addictive as hell uh my brother-in-law sent me a sent me a text with a picture of like an empty jar it said like damn you scott kennedy like i'm telling you man you know it sounds it sounds you know so simple oh peanut butter and jelly it is freaking good if you like peanut butter at all that peter pan honey peanut butter is unbelievable and yes i'm gonna clip this and send them to him and say send me some peanut butter i guess i I don't want i have to ban it from my house honestly i put on a pound a week if that stuff is in my house a pound a week because Peanut butter and jellies don't really fill you up that much, but they're full of calories. Yeah. So Good you're f- like still snacking again in an hour. Yeah. So it's it's like doubling up. But yes, it's delicious. Good stuff. Glad you like it, Rob. Peanut butter and jelly is great backpacking, great hiking food. You take a little sandwich. Um, we discovered something called the uh, buddy butter, which is like a low sugar peanut butter for dogs. And Summit, my dog, absolutely goes bonkers for it. They have a peanut butter uh, banana one and like a peanut butter blueberry one. Absolutely. It freaks out. Um, so good. So buddy butter, uh, get us, uh, get us some money too. And you put it on the roof of a dog's mouth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is a very pro dog dog show. Um, EJ coming in saying good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos country. Herb Davis. Always good to see you. Herb says good morning guys. It's been a minute. It has, but I remember you Herb. Hope you're doing well. It says, uh, in from Pennsylvania out there, Pennsylvania, big state, beautiful state to drive through. Um, Kathy also saying 52 in her house and, uh, Scott's getting people, uh, Peter Pan hooks in people. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. but on Yeah. Wah, wah. That's uh, that's what you want. That's a good one. Well, guys, um, we're going to talk a little bit of Patrick Sertan today. And, uh, I saw a tweet, um, that I thought was worth digging into because we talked about, you know, how good 
Patrick Sertan was last season. But I, but this data uh, really, I guess, emphasizes just how good uh, Patrick Sertan was last year. First, we want to say hello to Mark Schrader, though. Uh, good morning, guys, uh, from Mark over on Facebook. Hope you're doing well, Mark. Um, but uh, back to it, um, a statistic that we like to talk on here a, a lot, and I'll be the first to say, um, you know, I'm a big stats guy, listeners and Scott, um, but there is no such thing as a perfect, all-encompassing stat in football because it's just way too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's way too much going on. Uh, you you doing your job relies on 10 other guys doing their job. The quality of the opponent, you can do everything right, and the other team's wide receiver and quarterback can make a perfect play, and you lose. I mean, it's just... It's hard. So it's so any statistic is always, you know, not com- a complete uh, picture. It's part of the picture, but it's not a complete picture. So stat I'm talking about here, EPA per play, expected points allowed. And um, this is from Seth Walder over on, uh, he works for ESPN. And I'll share this tweet here real quick so it's easier to see. One second, folks. Where's share? There we go. Chrome view. There we go. Best EPA. I've got it if you're ready. If you want me to bring it up. I already got it. Okay. Hopefully you guys can see that. I'll zoom in a little bit too. But yeah, Seth Walder um, always does good work over at ESPN. And uh, here he is with his tweet saying, a best total EPA allowed among outside corners in a rookie season since 2016 uh, via nearest defender data from NFL Next Gen Stats. Uh, Patrick Sertan coming in number one overall. Uh, Patrick Sertan second um, in last season with a negative 21.8. Then Denzel Ward 2018 with negative 18. Marlon Humphrey negative 8.7 in 2017. Tredavious White, 2017, negative 8.5. And Marshawn Lattimore, 2017, negative 7.7. So Patrick Sertan really, really stands out there as a phenomenal rookie season last year and using the uh, nearest defender data as uh, using GPS data between players. Uh, so I guess we want to come back here again and just praise how good the Patrick Sertan selection was. I know that, you know, I definitely lamented it because of the quarterback position until you have one, you're nothing in the NFL. Um, but uh, <laughs> things look really good at this point in time for George Payton and the Broncos with the Patrick Sertan selection. No, and there's, there's a lot of things that, that Nick and I, that I think we, we bounce off each other and we can learn from each other and all those type of things. And, you know, one of the phrases I was taught at an early age in scouting from, you know, was it's not the players you miss on that kill you. It's the players that you get that can't play. If you keep loading your roster with good players over the long run, you're, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and Pat Sertan, uh, was a really, really good player. Now, the first thing I just did when I looked at this number, <clears throat> Nick, was, well, one, I mean, you know, it's it's a huge drop-off from Ward to Humphrey, so that's pretty good for rookie seasons. Those are, you know, two two really good rookie seasons. And then, wait a minute, didn't Denzel Ward just sign a contract extension? A massive one. A massive one. So, yeah. five years, $100.5 million for Denzel Ward. So... Pat Sertan is a cheat code right now. He's cost controlled mm-hmm. for several years, actually. <clears throat> but, you know, you want to have a guy like that for 12 years. You know, you want to have him for several years. So come year three, that extension might end up costing a pretty penny. And, um, yeah. you know, again, you can come up. You, there's ways to keep the, as long, the there's ways to keep your own guys for sure to manipulate the cap. If you've got cash on hand and. <clears throat> changing some contracts around the key to that is making sure that they can still play. You know, when yeah. you've got guys that are on $20 million dead cap hits that are then declining, that's when you're in trouble. That's when the cap actually matters. 
yeah. when you can pay whatever you want to to your best players, then that's when people say, well, the cap doesn't matter. They just gave this guy a massive contract. Wait till he starts falling down the notch a little bit and he's not playing up to that same level. Yeah. That's not a problem. Pat Sertan's what, 22? 22 years, years old, old year. maybe? Yeah, he'll be 22 this year. Yeah, 22 years old. Um, at 25, he's gonna be. He's gonna join the the hundred million club. Yeah, he is uh, having had an incredible season last year, and I don't think that it, maybe it's a byproduct of the uh, the Broncos season last year. Maybe it's a byproduct of just where the Broncos have been uh, the last few seasons, but not enough discussion of Patrick Sertan's season last year. I think overall, from even you know us covering the team to close the season and uh, the national perspective as well. Uh, we got Jacob Foster coming in here with the support, the silent one. Jacob getting us kicked off on this Tuesday, uh, helping us out here with the stars. Thank you so much, Jacob. We appreciate you. Hopefully you're, you had a great weekend, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying your your July. Hopefully it's not too hot where you are. No, and, and I think um, I did unmute. I was pouring some coffee. Sometimes that sounds like I'm going to the bathroom, so I don't like the microphone picking that up. <laughs> What's going on over there, Scott? <laughs> pouring coffee. What do you mean? Um, you know, you know, Sertan, you talk about some of the younger corners, uh, Denzel Ward is still 25 years old, just turned 25 years old. Um, Pat Sertan, Denzel Ward, uh, AJ Terrell, I think is 23. will probably turn 24 this year, uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. Some kind of the next generation of corners and Pat Sertan is definitely in there for sure, without a doubt. And, And again, Jacob Foster, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate the support as always. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we'll get back to little Patrick Sertan, but saying hello to some people coming in here saying weather is perfect here in Ecuador. Good morning, Broncos country and the best Broncos pod. Thank you so much, Mandango. That's really nice of you to say. Um, I love breakfast with you folks. Well, uh, hopefully you're enjoying it with Natalie and I, my wife, um, just moved into a new rental house in Seattle on a different area of Seattle. So we're checking out the new breakfast spots and uh, found a pretty good little breakfast spot on Sunday morning before uh, going to a movie after that. So uh Really love. We're we're big breakfast aficionados here, um, so appreciate that. I think an underrated part of breakfast, Scott. We never really talk about it, um, but the uh, the side potatoes, what what they do with their you know the starch option there, because um, this place that we went to had incredible, uh, I guess breakfast potatoes or something like the red russet potatoes. Um, n- not enough appreciation for the hash brown slash potato option in breakfast. Yeah, I, uh, I I think we're sleep aficionados in this house, uh, so it's it's hard to get everybody up and moving mm-hmm. if we don't already have games. So I got to yeah. roll my family out of bed. Hey, you got to get up 6.30 in the morning. You got softball, baseball, soccer, something yeah. going on. So um, my wife makes breakfast, though. She, she'll make herself a nice breakfast. I don't have the patience for that. I'm like, all right, cup of yogurt. Here we go. A cup of water. I, I spent about as much time making my coffee as anything. That's about yeah. it. That's an art, though, um, for sure. Also found out one of my neighbors is a uh, Starbucks coffee roaster. One of the works at one of the big roasteries. So kind of cool. Um, really living the Seattle dream up here. <laughs> Tyler Rogers coming in saying good morning. Happy to catch you live. Good to see you. Also one of our favorites, Peter Middleton saying it's good to be on here. Smiley face. Hopefully it's not too hot uh, where you are, Peter. We appreciate you. See Beeston in the house saying morning, everyone. Um, and uh, Peter Middleton saying honest, hottest day in UK for a long time. Um <laughs> So it's going to be hot. hot there. Yeah. And I know that they don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of air conditioning there in the UK. Cause it's not really hasn't been needed, but kind of like in Seattle, um, things are changing there for the, uh, the worst, unfortunately. Um, and Tyler Rogers coming in saying, remind me what EPA means again, just joined EPA is an acronym for uh, expected points added. Um, it is a all encompassing stat. I really, honestly, I prefer EPA per play 
um, because this is more of a stat that is accumulated over time. Like if you have a threshold, but like this is just an over, it's like war over time. You know, you accumulate the data, but I think that EPA plays a little bit more telling um, for a, obviously play-by-play perspective, but mm-hmm. uh, Sertan had a great season last year and um, the negative here for a defensive player, you want to have a negative uh, mm-hmm. EPA as a defensive player, positive for um, the offensive guys negative for the defensive. So negative 21.8 is incredible. And also just another thing we always, when we bring up this next gen stat stuff, um, I got a gripe just a little bit. Um, why is this stuff not accessible even behind a paywall? Like I would kill to get some of this next gen data. I know it's a lot of it is because the NFL teams pay a lot of money to have so this that might information. Be right there. Who's, um, who's putting the bill for it? And they might not want it out there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is incredible stuff. Um, and I know that like college teams are using it more and more. Um, there's been a few interviews where it's been like Alabama's athletic trainers and the GPS data that they're using to train players um, that are like, it's so beyond um, what we do as metrics for the co- combine and stuff. These athletic testing measurements um, that uh, we're, we're in the stone age <laughs> compared to what these teams have right now. It's frustrating as somebody who loves uh, data and all that stuff as well. But uh, Sertan, Absolutely incredible last season. Don't think we've spoken enough about how good he's been. Let's keep saying hello to some people in the comment section here. Um, Peter coming back in saying Ward was a surprise fourth pick, but a very sensible one for the Browns after all the injuries to Chubb. Allen or Nelson would have been good picks too. Um, you're mixing up, I think. Uh, oh, wait. No, not mixing up two different drafts. That's all the same draft, 2018. So, uh, yeah, they all would have been good picks. Obviously, <laughs> Josh Allen is the, uh, the best pick you could have made there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a good one for them. Uh, no doubt. I think it's kind of funny though. I mean, Denzel Ward, great season. I've uh, been a great player, probably the second best cornerback in that draft, right? That was also a Jair Alexander uh, draft class, if I'm not mistaken. It was, he went 18th to the green Bay Packers and Derwin James was in there. Uh, Vita Vea went 12th overall. Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, Josh Rosen at 10. Yeah. Got it. Um, <clears throat> Rokon Smith, number eight, Josh Allen, seven, Quentin Nelson, six, Bradley Chubb, five, Sam Darnold, three. Yeah. And they traded up to get Sam Darnold. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh man, I mean that's the that's the thing Sam about the quarterback, Donald. right? It's that if you don't have one, you're sunk. But uh, man, a lot of risk. Uh, yeah, but no, it sinks you. Giving up four a bad to go get a quarterback that can't play—that's what sinks you. Okay, that's you're right. Back five years. Sinking's the wrong word. You're not going anywhere without a quarterback, but you're not getting sunk. Uh, not having the or. Yeah, you're not already the the wrong quarterback. You're not coming off the bottom. You're drowning and flailing around. And it's yeah. just, it was just the evaluation on that was mind boggling. I'm I, again, I'm like, what'd you pay on him? $100 million? Give me 0.001% of that. I'll save you a million just to not be dumb. Yeah. I personally, this is getting coming back to team building stuff. I don't mind the swing at the quarterback position. The issue is when you sit on too long hoping on what you aren't seeing. Um, so I think you look at the the Arizona Cardinals taking Josh Rosen at 12 overall, I think, of that year, and the very next year taking Kyler Murray. Hallelujah. God bless. Keep swinging the bat. But when you sit there um, and waste, you know, four or five years on somebody who's a statistical bottom quarterback, um, you are, you know, might as well start digging your own grave uh, for the coaching staff in the front office there. Uh, Luke Wright coming in. Good morning to you, Luke Wright. And uh, Mark Schrader coming in from Texas down south there saying hotter than blazes here they say 107 today hundreds through the forecast 
almost 10 stars per degree. LOL. Wow. Mark, we appreciate Maybe we should get a little bit hotter down there. No, um, we appreciate you, Mark. Mark uh, you're stay you're cool. plenty hot. You're plenty hot, Mark. Appreciate you coming in with the stars and the support. You and Jacob are our Facebook superstars for Broncos for breakfast. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Jeremy has a good point in here. It says, you know, with Sertan last year and Russ this year, are there any Broncos fans still pining for Justin Fields? Didn't think so. Um, no, no. Um, that said, I won't change how I feel in hindsight. Again, we're operating without you're, you're playing the long game as a general manager. Um, I said at the beginning, you, this, this draft will be graded based on how good Pat Sertan is and, or how good Justin Fields is. If Pat Sertan turns out to be a superstar, you're not worried about Justin Fields. If, uh, if he isn't that great, then you start looking a little bit, where does Justin Fields end up? So I'm not going to change that based on hindsight, uh, but on the because I wanted Justin Fields in that spot. Over the long haul, though, playing the long game based on who's going to be available, we're still probably a year away. I got to get rid of this coach as <laughs> a general manager. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hand over a, my prize rookie quarterback to this guy. Um, then, of course, this was absolutely the right moves. Um, you know, assuming. Russell Wilson stays all the blah, blah, blah. All the assumptions there yeah. uh, for it. Russell Wilson playing at the level that he is accustomed to playing and Patrick Sertan becoming a superstar has been pretty good work from Mr. George Payton, without a doubt. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I was definitely um, a, for this scheme, for the Vic Fangio scheme specifically, uh, more off coverage. I was thinking maybe Sertan wasn't as good in the top 10 as trading back in an extra first round pick and taking a Caleb Farley or a Greg Newsom. Um, I'm happy to say now um, that, hello, Nick, uh, Patrick Sertan, scheme uh, independent, uh, transcendent, I guess is the word there. And uh, Vic Fangio's scheme actually was starting to change a little bit last year where you're seeing one cornerback uh, essentially play man coverage on an island, um, running that zone straight back uh, with a match quarters defense and, you know, triplets or whatever on the other side. So, you know, happy to be emphatically uh, wrong on that one. Also tune change when Caleb Farley's back stuff came out. And the fact that Caleb Farley was three years older than Patrick Sertan, which at the cornerback position injuries and age matter almost as much as any position out there. And that's something also I want to talk about Patrick Sertan here. Uh, let's say hello to a few people coming in here. CC love CC. Um, where's the curly hair gang, but I, uh, the, I feel like CC had a picture for a while. Now it's just a big old CC. What's going on? Uh, morning, Nick and Scott and uh, Broncos country. Hope you're all doing great. Michael Ronquillo, of course. Good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Great to see you. Bama X. Good morning, Broncos country. Uh, fantastic to see you in here. Um, we always love to see you. And uh, yeah, let's keep it going here. So um, talking about Patrick Sutan here, we, we, and maybe this is me making up for being a doubter the month prior to leading up to the drafts, like two months prior, uh, banging mm -hmm. the quarterback drum before that. Um, but big time on the uh, Pat Patrick Sertan hype now, it's not a guarantee that he will be as good this season as he was last year. And the big thing is injury. Um, obviously, the scheme is changing. There's a lot of th reasons to expect him to be as good, if not better, uh, than last season. But the thing about the cornerback position is that it is so dependent on being and everyone knock on wood and pray to whatever football gods you have but it's so dependent on being healthy and uh you know you have a, a turf toe a slight tweak of the hamstring your form drops massively at the cornerback position because it's such a reactionary position it's like soccer right if you have just a tweak you're not as fluid out there in open space so uh not a guarantee that he'll be better uh than last season i think it's a fine to hope that um but just want to say i think things it's not always a transcendent, you know, or a linear progression for a player over their career. 
couple couple points on this. Um, one, injury is a concern with everybody. Yeah, but two, I don't think he's got he's got a, a but every cornerback. I mean, every yes, cornerback. Yes, has. yes, yes. So yes, it's yes. that's that's universal. That's nothing that goes specifically to Sertan because I think he's got a pretty good injury history through his career. Yeah. Um, two, even if he has a slight drop from last year, he's still really good. Yeah. And three, I think he'll be put in more positions to succeed where he can make more plays and not just not, I wouldn't say hide him or protect him because he was thrown out there. He was there, but where he's going to be given a little bit more freedom Mm. to freelance a little bit and maybe come off of coverages and read stuff and have a little more trust. I know that's a, a big buzzword going around Broncos country right now is trust. Uh, saw that big time with uh, with Lloyd Cushenberry and some recent quotes we can get into towards the end if we have time. Um, so I don't expect him to take a step backwards at, at all, because even if he's picked on a little bit more or whatever, you know, it takes a step back in the, the statistics or whatnot. I think he'll have more impact plays, too, because he'll have a little bit more freedom to freelance a little bit to, to go and make plays. So uh, I'm expecting a, a, a real, a real good season for him. Yeah, uh, rightfully so. It'll be exciting to see uh, what he can do this year. And uh, I'm really, I mean, again, really excited to see what he can look like. Um, We got Herb Davis coming in saying, um, hey, some people feel that our schedule sucks because it starts off easy and then it gets hard. I disagree. Your thoughts. Uh, I like it how it is because there's so much newness on the Denver Broncos this season. New scheme, new quarterback new relationships, new chemistry, new offensive line coach, new right tackle, new defense, et cetera, et cetera. I would rather have it be a little bit easier early um, and kind of get your footing there where you have a little bit more margin for error uh, early on, you know, just kind of figuring out who you are, what, what works, what doesn't work. And then when you're starting to hopefully hit your groove by the end of the season, uh, you know who you are. Everything is second nature. Um, the chemistry's there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know what works and what doesn't work when the Nathaniel Hackett uh, outside zone RPO centric pass game with what Russell Wilson wants to do. So I don't think it sucks. Um, I, I do wish that, you know, playing who are we playing the NFC uh, West? That's a little bit unfortunate uh, to get paired up with them this season in comparison to like, God, it'd be great if we're playing the NFC East, considering we already have to play the AFC West. Um, in the AFC South, uh, we are playing the AFC. S- no, we're not. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Um, cause we play the Colts and the, we're playing the Jags and over in London and all that. So I'm that's, the that's... NFC South. That would be nice. Oh, there's a three and yeah. one at, at worst. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I like the schedule, how it sets up. Um, but if the Broncos are going where we want to go, um, I guess I'm happy they don't have the Chiefs schedule who play like the first eight games of the year against playoff teams or something crazy. Uh, but you know, if you want, if the Broncos are going to go where we all hope they will go, uh, you're going to have to beat the best. So it is what it is. And, and Herb, I, I agree with Nick. I think it's good to get off to a fast start and that's possible, especially with all the newness, all of the hope. And then if you get, you can almost, I can almost write the headlines for you right now. Let's see. Let's mark the date. Seven nineteen Broncos for breakfast. And we'll come back to this when we see this headline after their first loss, maybe even two of three when the mm-hmm. schedule gets a little tougher after the Broncos get off to a hot start, we were who they thought they were the Broncos for real, blah, 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 get off to a hot start, get your confidence going, get everybody feeling good about things. And then even if you go 500 in the last eight games and you finish 11 and six, you're in good shape and you're battle tested. You are, you're coming through the crucible. As long as everybody stays healthy, 
you're not going in. I'd rather start that way and then go 500 and have a couple losses towards the end of the season where people are thinking, okay, we're not as good as we think we are. You know, we need to still buckle up other than going four and four in the first eight games and then playing cream puffs down the stretch and getting this false sense of security and going into the playoffs against somebody that's battle tested and getting your brains kicked in your first game. Cause you're, you haven't been playing at that level. So I love the schedule herb. I think it's a, I think it's a great one. Yeah. It's uh, sets up as well as you could hope. Uh, I believe, um, I guess the only, I'd have to look at it again. I wish we were playing, you know, did the Broncos end the season with the chargers at home. I think that's uh, the case. So I don't know. I, I don't think I change anything um, about it. I think it's a pretty good schedule overall. And uh, hopefully one that the Broncos can take advantage of having the last place schedule in the uh, AFC West. I guess the big bummer in the schedule is that it's unfortunate that the. Uh... As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. Is it the rate? Do they play the Ravens? I can't remember. There's one team that like finished last place last season that it's like, ugh. They're not the worst team in their division anymore. I wish we'd have gotten that about most of the the AFC North. I'm not even sure the one that is. I've I've always said I think that's the the toughest division year in and year out. Just they they just beat the hell out of you. The Steelers and Ravens. Oh, the Steelers aren't that good. You know the Ravens. No, they're they're tough. You know, even if you win that game, it's hard to play the next one because they're gonna they're gonna. You don't want to. You certainly don't want to play it on a on a uh, slow week. Uh, before we we move off of here, just going back to uh, the draft real quick, just you know, looking over it, it'd be hard. It was going to be hard to mess up a pick in the top fifteen. There was a good draft at the top. Yeah. Um. You know, J.C. Horn. Um. You know, battled an injury a little bit. But, That's you know, what I'm talking Jaylen about. Waddle, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater. We, we said all along, either you've got the hope for your quarterback of the future, or you're drafting an exciting player. We weren't wrong. No, most of the guys that came ended up being really, really good. Um, coming into this year, we said this was a year to have depth of picks. Picks fifty to two hundred were as exciting as one to fifty. So we'll see how that shakes out. Could be completely wrong, but you know, I like our chances. I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, just want to bring this one up in hindsight uh, from Jeremy Shawn. He says, "In hindsight, I'm glad Peyton held out on his convictions and didn't buckle to the desperation." Um, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. The one that uh, Scott, I'll ask you again, because we've had we've had multiple conversations about this, but we haven't talked about it in a while. You and I both were of the opinion that if the Broncos didn't take a quarterback at nine overall, we thought the best choice would be to see if somebody could trade back and mm-hmm. then take uh, who, who the Ravens ended up taking in Adafe Owe mm-hmm. and get an extra first round pick. Now we're playing, you know, so what is it, sliding doors here. Um, If that happens, you have your 2023 first round pick, probably because you're sending both the Giants pick. And excuse me, the Bears pick and the Broncos pick at nine over to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. Maybe it doesn't happen that way. Things change with that. But uh, I think I can comfortably say now where I'm at, even though Adafi always really good and been good to have the extra first round pick. Sertan looks that good at a valuable position that young that I'm okay, you know, not having the hindsight of like, okay, we could have taken Adafi away and gotten a first round pick. I think honestly, I'll take Sertan, even though Owe looks like an incredible player uh, right now. I I think Adafi Owe was worthy of a 
pick in that same spot. So yeah. half a dozen, then it comes down to personal preference and team yeah. needs to a certain extent. True. If you were to, if you were to trade them straight up, I don't think you, both teams would be mad. That yeah. would be, that would be the sign of a good trade. You know, if, if you're, if, if, oh, we just traded Pat Sertan for Adafa Owe, you'd be mad. And so would they, that would be, that's a pretty good sign of a, of a good trade. And if you were able to pick up another first round pick out of it, even with hindsight, I'd I'd probably still do that deal. But again, I'm biased towards the big edge. I, I yeah. you know I I I love and I wanted Sertan in that pick. I'll have to dig it up. You know, uh, the very Our first, first time I was on this channel, um, yep. I said Pat Sertan, that's your guy. Yep. Um, you know, and, and talking about philosophies and scouting philosophies, and you know, I know you were you were a little more hesitant for scheme fit, but I just remind you that schemes change rapidly. You know, they're going to go for the best available player. And if you think that's Caleb Farley, fine, but you're not drafting. You're not really drafting for scheme. You're you're not. Yeah. General managers aren't thinking like that because they're changing out their coordinators every two freaking years. They're looking for best available. Yeah. And the other thing that I don't think I put enough emphasis on and understanding now where I'm at is that every defensive coordinator in the league, if they could, would run cover one. It's just it's so hard to do that with the players because tip it's the, the rules are tilted toward the offensive players. But if you have two shutdown cornerbacks and enough uh, pass rush up front, and then you, it's like, you know, it's your go-to uh, defense, even with the Broncos last season. And Patrick Sertan is a true Island cornerback that can play press. I think he's, I underrated his uh, fluidity and athleticism and off coverage. And uh, if you can play cover one, that's pretty much my guys are better than your guys defense. And that's mm-hmm. been the case for, 40 years. I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the NFL, but still everything, everything goes back to that cover one defense. It's what the Broncos did in that 2015 team when they had the no fly zone and you need multiple uh, Patrick Sertans to be able to do that. But having one is incredible. And also last year, the way the defense changed, um, essentially he was playing an Island cornerback position out there and the uh, incredible, uh, really, really good. So go and, and part of that is my sec bias, you mm-hmm. know, it, bias is what, shapes our personalities. People say, well, I'm not biased. Yes, you are. That's it's impossible not to be biased, but being biased doesn't mean you're wrong. I am biased by the strength of the sec and the battle tested nature of having the best football players week in and week out and going to practice against them week in and week out day after day and excelling. I trust that more. I do. I trust the guy with the pedigree of Pat Sertan coming from Alabama, playing at that level in practice every day, coached by, I think Kirby Smart had already left, but you know, still in a yeah. Nick Saban uh, group. I, I think Kirby probably had him for a couple of years. No, he, Kirby's been there. Kirby's been, been gone for a, for a while now. Time yeah. flies. He's been there since like 2016. <laughs> I forget how fast time goes. Um, that I trusted him more than a, a kid coming from the ACC. Not that's not Clemson. Yeah. Um, you know, playing at that level. So you know that that was part of it too. Um, but you know, I do trust Jacob Foster to come in and and, and give Damn. us love and support. Um, very, you know, just again, you make us speechless. We're going to, you're going to turn us into the silent ones. Uh, there's, there's some, uh, there's some talk in here about the fall off at the cornerback position. I, I kind of want to go, I don't know if I can find the original one. I think it was Bama X here. Speaking of Bama says champ Bailey comes to mind when you mentioned drop off with corners and getting injured. Um, and it's not just, it's not just champ. It's 99.9% of them hit 31, 32 years old. And they're, there's a massive drop off because the margins are so fine at the very highest level. We're talking about, you know, the upper 1 millionth of athletes in the world that we're talking here. And even a guy who's 
just on the border of, okay, an average NFL player is still one of the best athletes in the world. Yep. So having a little bit of a drop off, and I just want to give a shout out to Daryl Green because Daryl Green played at a high level until his late 30s as a cornerback with uh, the Washington Redskins. And just what an absolute freak of nature Daryl Green was to be able to play at that level for so long. Um, yep. You know, he was getting in races with guys when he was 36, 37 years old and still smoking him. So I think Daryl Green, kind of like Akeem Olajuwon, for me, is one of the most underrated superstars of of their respective uh, respective sports. Daryl Green is was the man. And I want to come back to your point about injury at the cornerback position. And this is something that is a main driver for a study that Pro Football Focus did recently where a singular great dominant uh, cornerback creates more value than a single great dominant edge rusher in a single season, according to a study they've done. But year to year, the cornerback is extremely volatile. Their form is like this from season to season, um, where an edge rusher, let's say, let's just put a number on it. You're getting 25 value from the cornerback in that elite season, but then the next season, you're only getting 10. Dominant edge rusher is 20 year after year after year. So if team building perspective, you'd rather have that edge rusher. But if you're picking one season, the one dominant cornerback, even though they're volatile uh, season, more volatile season to season um, pr provides a little bit more volume. It all comes back to just how much being healthy, hundred percent form matters for that space position of the cornerback. I just think there's five receivers yeah. out there where there's only one quarterback, you know, there's only one ball. If I'm an edge, I got one guy I got to take out. That's it. Yeah. You know, if I'm, if I'm a corner, yeah, I shut down their number one receiver, but they got four other weapons out there that they can get the ball to, Yep. you know, or run the ball or, you know, do uh, this, these other things. So, and I mean, a quarterback run, yep. you know, great. I had a, I had a corner, uh, who shut down, who shut down, uh, let's see, Roddy white, Michael Vick ran for 225 yards. Well, yep. you know, I rather would have had one of the Bosa boys or, or somebody going after and, and, and trying to get into uh, Michael Vick's kitchen. Yep. So for me, that's the big difference is a corner can do his job. If a corner has an outstanding game, you might not even hear his name. Yeah. He's blanketed this guy. If the edge has the outstanding game, he's wreaked havoc yep. on, on an offense and he's, he's changed the game. And not to go too far down this path, uh, listen to an interview with the head of analytics at, uh, for the Los Angeles Rams would have been this off season. Remember it on one of my dog walks. It's a lot of times I consume my uh, football information from the people that are smarter than I, uh, but he talked about it being systems and uh, the coverage units being the first to fail system where pass rushing units are the first to succeed system. And by a first to fail system, it's the same as the offensive line um, is the similar to the secondary and the wide receiver groups are the same as a pass rush. You only need one dominant guy to win and the whole unit wins, which is your first to succeed system, uh, your first to fail system. Every single person has to do their job and succeed uh, to win. It's why that uh, there was an argument or a discussion on Twitter a few weeks ago where people were like, would you rather have a top 10 wide receiver or a top 10 offensive lineman? Top 10 offensive lineman is still dependent on four other guys doing their job. Your top 10 right. wide receiver, more impactful because all he has to do is win his matchup and everybody wins across the unit. So right. uh, there's a, it's, it's really interesting to talk about this. We're getting really nerdy uh, right now with team building, <laughs> but it's fun to talk about. And part of that assumption is of those, would you rather the assumption is almost like, well, the other guys out there are garbage, Yeah, you know, and they're not, you know, it's like, okay, would you rather have a, assuming everybody else is a zero war? That's why I like, I like talking about the, the war is 
everybody else is is negative. It's because that, that I, I feel like Nick, that's what happens. Yep. It's like when you have the would you rather discussions, it's almost like, well, then the other one's a complete negative. You know, yep. okay, I've got I've got Tony Baselli at left tackle and then a bunch of stiffs on the right side. Well, Tony Baselli's toast. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter what he does because the quarterback's gonna get killed. Um, but again, I've, I've used this story a bunch of times. I'll say it one more time. When I first started covering recruiting, I called a kid that played on both sides of the ball. I was like, well, which do you like better? He's like, defense. I'm like, really? Why? He says, because on defense, I can end a play. He says, the game's in my hands on defense. I'm like, you know, that makes sense. You know, it, it's hard. To, that's why every single rule change in the last 50 years has benefited the offense. Because it is it is hard to play offense. If you ever go to a, a practice and they change center or change quarterbacks, it takes like five snaps just to get a center snap exchange right um, or without somebody jumping off sides or something like that. Because again, 10 guys can do their job. One guy fails the first to fail system. As you say, it's a good way of putting that the plays dead. 10 yeah. guys fall down on defense and you go and sack the quarterback. You, you just won the play. It doesn't yeah. matter. So it's, 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 it's very, it, it is different like that. Yeah, but obviously it's a little bit different too. Like we're not getting into the specifics where if you have one, no doubt, top three cornerback, it makes everybody else's job easier because he can shoulder more of the load and everything. But it's interesting. And as Tyler says, the ultimate team sport. Uh, good morning, Tyler Rogers. Without a doubt. Yep. Without Truly. a doubt. It is the the most team sport of team sports there is. I, I can't even, I've watched them all. I've played most of them. And there's there's nothing that compares to football when it comes to the team sport, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. One, one thing I do like about baseball where it is an individual sport, every single person is exposed in an individual matchup. So you can't be, you know, as you can't always be just one person. You can like, we can see it in baseball right now. The the angels have, uh, Ohani and trout, and they are still absolute garbage, even though they have two of the best players in football. (laughs) So it's, it's weird different. It's such a throw Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling you know, four out of seven games, you can win a world series. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so a hot pitcher, a hot goalie, um, you know, in soccer, you get a a hot goalie or, you know, a a defender that's, you know, a, a, an attacker baseball, uh, a pitcher. It's, it's about the pitching baseball. We know all about basketball. It's all about a couple of individuals and who you surround them with, but football it's, it is, it is the ultimate team sport without a doubt, because even, you know, even the best player who you might consider the greatest of all time, even if you say Tom Brady, he's watching from the sidelines half the time, yep. half, half the time. He's depending on his defense when he's not even on the field, let alone all of the dependencies he has on his own side of the ball with offensive line, running backs and receivers. Yep. Ultimate team sport, Tyler, without a doubt. Yep. I want to say hello to Benjamin Flores. Howdy, fellas. I don't know why I don't get alerts anymore, but I want to make sure to check in. Have a good one. Well, we're live Monday and Thursday or excuse me, Tuesday and Thursday morning. So, uh, Make sure you're checking in. Uh, and also he says, uh, good and go Broncos. Uh, thank you for that, Benjamin. <laughs> we were concerned there for a second. Lawrence coming in saying, well, guys, stars are not working for me today, but I but I will try to figure it out. And I think you did figure it out uh, there. <laughs> Half the show I missed just trying to show love. Well, thank you. Now I got to catch up later. That's okay. You know, you can go back, listen twice. Maybe you'll pick up on some uh, some idiocracy uh, coming from me here. Um, and uh, I also want to talk, coming back here to uh, Patrick Sertan before we get on out of here, um, this was from Ari Maryov, uh, who's a recent um, addition to Pro Football Focus. And uh, he talked about it in a bit here on uh, Pro Football Focus about how Patrick Sertan is his pick for the 
next big superstar in the NFL, essentially is what he's getting at here. So I'll just play this and uh, then we can kind of uh, discuss what we think about it. But uh, really, I'm um, just, you know, heaping praise onto Patrick Sertan. So let me know if you can hear this. Um, I have Patrick Sertan going to the next oh, level, okay. going into the superstar level. That's what I'm looking at over here because one of the things that you mentioned with Jeff Okuda, coaches will tell you cornerback is one of the tougher positions to transition from college to the NFL. The game is so fast. The offensive players, in a way, have more advantages than a defender with the rules. But Sertain made it look it's so, make it, made it look so easy last year. And when you hear some of the quotes coming out of Denver, for example, Justin Jim Simmons, one of the most respected players in the league, Broncos safety, he comes out and says, at the end of last year, I didn't even have to worry about his side of the field. That's not a fluff comment. That's like somebody saying, okay, we have something special here. And he's right. At the end of last year, Vic Fangio was essentially playing Sertain on his own island in man coverage against some of these top corner top receivers in the NFL. He only allowed over 60 yards once last season. George Payton, their GM, got some heat last year when he made that pick, taking Sertain over a quarterback. Well, look at them now. They have Russell Wilson, their quarterback. They have Sertain, who is still only 22 years old. And I think he has the potential to not only be a pro bowler this year, but also be in that all-pro discussion there in Denver. So it's a pick who everyone might know his name, but I think it's someone who takes the leap and enters that superstar territory this year in Denver. That's what you want, baby. Broncos are back. We're in the relevant discussion, and uh, national media is starting to get on the uh, Patrick Sertain and the Broncos hype, and rightfully so. Um I don't think enough people watched Bronco football last year, maybe to their own uh, benefit. <laughs> um, but uh, Sertan, um, if you go back and watch him last year, incredible season. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Also excited to see Bronco Sunrise coming in here with uh, $20 saying late, but happy. That's uh, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Thank you so much. Also, I appreciate the uh, Bronco Sunrise perspective here because um, that's perfect uh, for Broncos for breakfast. So uh, hopefully we'll see you again Thursday morning. Hopefully you're doing well. Also, we're excited for whenever it's at Broncos 17 and 0 again when the season starts back up. Lawrence Rivera um, coming in saying we will have to have this team firing on all cylinders if we don't want to be last in the division because a quarterback can't carry us the whole season. But yeah, I don't get alert alerts either. I don't think Facebook does alerts. I think YouTube is uh, the alert side. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes I see him in my little bells that so-and-so has started an alert, but I've also noticed the viewership on Facebook has dropped off massively. So something may have changed with Facebook. So, you know, uh, set your schedule or, you know, come over to YouTube. Uh, you know, Google and Facebook are always in, always in competition. Uh, and Bronco Sunrise, it does it feel your name has never been more apt. It does feel like a sunrise for the Denver Broncos. Definitely not a sunset. This is, this is on the way up. This is the new dawn. Uh, just thank you for your support. And again, I think, uh, the Bronco sunrise has, has never been more apropos. Um, and Lawrence, you know, it's, I, I don't know why you're getting the, the letting people talk you into thinking that this team is Russell Wilson and that's it. That might explain the green Bay Packers, you know, where you're talking about, it seems like it's Aaron Rodgers trying to make a bunch of, uh, ham and eggers look really good on the offensive side of the ball. Packers but, defense is awesome, though. Exactly. That's why I said yeah. the offensive side yeah, of the yeah. ball. Um, but this has been a team that's considered to be a quarterback away. You know, this mm -hmm. is a team that's been saying that is being held back by the quarterback, not being propped up by the quarterback. This team isn't being propped up by Russell Wilson. Um, it's being accentuated. It's being accelerated by Russell Wilson. It's being used properly by Russell Wilson. That's the hope. 
Not that, okay, if, you know, if, if he's not a superstar, this team, you don't have to be a superstar for this team to be good. Again, if he go, he went 26 and seven in a bad season for touchdown interceptions somewhere in there, I might be off by one or two. Yeah. Um, you know, but he should easily crack 30 touchdowns and he keeps the interceptions down and keeps the defenses honest and gets rid of those stacked boxes. Your weapons that we've been talking about for, at least for me, for 14 months are going to excel. And the defense looks really good. There's a lot of, we've just spent 40 minutes talking about Pat Sertan. Yeah. And I think the uh, final point we want to get to here. Um, first, I want to say hello to Steve coming in here saying, good morning, Broncos country. Good to see you, Steve. Hopefully you had a good weekend. Also the notorious GLP saying, Hey, Nick and Scott, good morning, Broncos country. Go Broncos. Let's ride. Thank you so much, Gary. Um, reasons for, I, I spent a lot of the show earlier saying, you know, it's not a guarantee that Sertan will linear, linearly, linearly progress. Um, this season because linear progression is a myth. It's only seen in video games where, oh, he's a year two. He's plus seven in awareness. You know, that doesn't doesn't work like that in the real world. Um, but there is reason to think that Sertan could be even better this season. And I think the biggest, two biggest things here, um, I think it was oh, somebody earlier mentioned it. And I think it maybe was Peter Middleton saying the pass rush should be better in Denver this season. Should be better in Denver. Uh, we've talked about it on here a lot. It's probably the most volatile position uh, positional group on the team because if Randy Gregory and Bradley, Bradley Chubb play up to their potential and stay healthy, you're talking about a top 10 uh, pass rushing duo on football, in my opinion, talent, talent wise. But those guys have not shown a history of being available. And when they have been on the field have been dinged and their form has dropped. So uh, very concerning there. And also you have questions about the Baron Browning. Uh, how good is Jonathan Cooper? Is he just a three at best? Uh, Nick Benito, is he more of a, a very super sub kind of player, you know, a lot of questions there. So in theory, Sertan should have it easier this year with better opportunities because the pass rush is better, but we need to see it to believe. I need to see it to believe it. There's enough bodies there that you think someone's going to step up and be the guy, you know, you just mentioned a bunch is yeah, there's a hope. There's a hope there, but you're thinking, okay, if my worst case scenario is Malik Reed, who seems to get five or six sacks a year. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not horrible. Um, again, you might not get yeses out of all of them, you know, but you should get yeses out of enough of those guys. We just rattled off six names, Nick, yeah. you know, that, that you should be able to get a yes out of some of those guys. Now, again, kind of like the quarterback position, you, you mentioned the draft, you have a problem if they stick by a guy too long, that's where it could end up hurting you a little bit. If you end up, a guy's not getting it done, battling an injury, you know, trying to fight through it and you, you hold by him too long and not next man up. That could hold you back a little bit, but you just feel with all of the guys that you mentioned, there's enough bodies there that the pass rush is is going to get better. The pass rush for none other reason that they're going to be more aggressive. Now, on the flip side of that, they're going to give up more big plays. There's going to be more big plays, more chunk yardage plays going against you this year. Okay, there should be more turnovers and more sacks and more um, opportunities for your better offense to have the ball. I'm okay with that, right? Yeah, I'm not, I mean, we already said hello to GLP, but you know why not say hello again? So hello yeah. again, GLP. Thank you for the support, my friend. Thank you so much. And before we start wrapping up, Colin Wood coming in saying a question he's had for a while: What do we think about Hackett's offensive philosophy? Will be came from a team that was heavily dependent on Rodgers' heroics. Um, when you have a quarterback like that, obviously you you should lean on the quarterback. It'd be an issue if you uh, were trying to you know this is our system, this is what we're doing. You know, don't go out there and do what you do. Uh, so it is a question. The other thing that's a big question about uh, Hackett for me is that he's been somewhat of a offensive chameleon 
um, in his career to date because what they did in Jacksonville with uh, Doug Marone and that, you know, Blake Bortles, uh, Leonard Fournette uh, offense was extremely different uh, than what we saw with uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers at the Green Bay Packers. So uh, what is this offense going to look like? Excellent question. I mean, I think it was Tim Patrick months ago that said, you know, we're working in an offense that's never been seen before because it's trying to meld what uh, Russell Wilson would like to do with what Hackett is like to do. But what is that? Honestly, uh, this is the cop-out answer, but I need to see it on the field uh, to really understand that. And also just, you know, calling myself out of this one, I am much further along in uh, my understanding of defensive scheming and philosophy than I am the offensive side of the ball. I've always liked defense a little bit more, so I tend to read that, but I'm reading defense at a fifth grade level where my offense is maybe at a third grade level. That's better than most of us. So I, I still do it at the, you know, talk to me like I'm a six-year-old. So, you know, the old, the old Denzel, uh, Denzel Washington, Philadelphia quote, explain this to mm-hmm. me like I'm an eight-year-old. Yeah. Then, then I'll, then I'll understand at best. So, on that note, I think it's probably about time uh, to get us out of here, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, we'll be live again over on Scott's channel tomorrow, Forging the Falcons. Uh, not sure what we'll talk about yet, but it's always a good time. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following us at our pod account, Twitter account at BFB underscore pod. And of course, at Mile High Huddle. Um, follow us on Facebook. Uh, at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. Uh, subscribe, like, and share if you haven't already. And also um, Apple podcast folks, uh, leave your us, uh, your five-star review for a chance to win some uh, gear every single month. And uh, Scott, while you are uh, filling in the gap here, I'm going to pull up a couple of uh, reviews that we had come in recently on iTunes that were really nice and uh, appreciative uh, calling out Broncos for breakfast specifically. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, we I'm going to I'm going to steal your thunder on this and say thank you to Jeremy because I saw one from Jeremy Sean come in. So, Nick, you can hit that one. But again, not just uh, Broncos for breakfast. Uh, We'll be back on my channel talking uh, forging the Falcons tomorrow. And we talk all kinds of of people. It's not just Falcons talk. If you've ever watched us, you know. But tonight, don't forget what is today? Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So Mile High Insiders building the Broncos uh, tonight at six. And then remember at two o'clock Mountain Time on the uh it's on the website it's on the app the mile high sports is chad and zach's new show the the uh the mile high huddle show on um what's denver's flagship's name do you know anyone the broncos what are you what are you asking sorry i was looking up the uh, itunes video. <laughs> <laughs> way to pick me up there they're on a radio station but it's like 98 my, my, one i looked it up yesterday mile high sports I'm mile not high sure. sports uh mile high sports radio is uh they're on there at at two o'clock every day now monday through friday on the, the the mile high huddle show on mile high sports radio yeah uh yeah it'll and be great it's available online and via the app so you can listen and watch from listen from anywhere yeah absolutely and a couple of reviews here coming in on itunes that i wanted to read out here it's kind of like a free super chat um but first we got to jeremy sean's uh thank you jeremy saying uh Really enjoy listening to all the pods. I like that MHH is various hosts with a variety of styles and skill sets. As an early riser, my favorite is the Broncos for breakfast. Nick and Scott do a tremendous job looking at things objectively and analytically, all while having fun. All the shows do a great job of interacting with listeners and are very gracious for the support they receive. Keep up the great work. We also have Orod15 coming in saying, I listen to the podcast every day at work. I go in very early and it's always nice seeing there's a new podcast to listen to when I wake up. And uh, finally, James Crackcorn, great name, uh, saying, I've been listening every day for about two years now. Living in New Jersey, it's often difficult to find folks to talk Broncos with. This scratches the itch and keeps 
me informed on all the latest Broncos news. So uh, if you guys haven't done so yet, make sure you head to Apple iTunes, uh, find uh, the Huddle Up podcast, and uh, leave us a five-star Mile High Huddle podcast. Excuse me, what did I say? You said the Huddle Up. Mile High Huddle podcast. Um, I typed in Huddle Up. That's how it showed up on my okay. feed there. But, um, yep, absolutely. I think it is, actually is underneath Huddle Up on the the name. But anyway, um, we appreciate all you guys coming in here. You guys are great. Uh, we, I'll see you guys tonight on building the Broncos, not mile hand siders. Um, and uh, you're, okay. you're one of these shows after you have to check your hat. So I said, it's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a good thing. You don't have a hat that says, you know, protected by Smith and Wesson or something like that. That's what you'd read for the show. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Also. Hello, Kaylee on yo coming in late here, but good to see you. Um, you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. Hopefully it's uh, cools down a bit for you. Not too hard of a week. And I will see you guys later tonight. But until then, don't forget to be kind. Uh, choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.